Hello and welcome back to Future Talk with myself, Sam Kliska and Harry Moy. Uh, today we're going to be talking about food and drink. So this could range from restaurants to agriculture to, I don't know, government incentives or, yeah. So Harry, how are we today? Yes, I'm, I'm all right. Thank you, Sam. I'm feeling a bit drained, actually. I've been doing a lot of, um, a lot of interviews recently um, and it's just kind of led to a very draining feeling. Uh, this past week and I don't know I just haven't and I think as a result of that I just haven't been uh, hustling uh, as much as I feel like I <laughs> so just I feel like I should be it's uh it's, it's not it's not trillionaire energy it's uh it may not even be billionaire energy it's more like millionaire energy yeah yeah I mean you both isn't it I mean uh we've been a bit lacking on the old podcast episodes in terms of uh release schedule so I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's a reflection of other things going on in our lives or, or just us taking our foot off the gas. But why are you uh, looking for jobs? What, what's with the interviews? Well, as as you may know, Sam, we did a thing called Hack Africa, which uh, we were, uh, I think we were, we, we didn't win. Uh, and I was a bit annoyed by us, uh, by us not winning. I feel like we were a bit cheated out, but Hopefully, uh, hopefully, other people from the judging panel are listening to this. Um, and and yeah, just just through that experience, I um, I realised that I wanted to sort of go back into programming again. Uh, it reminded me that that I do really enjoy uh, really enjoy doing it. Uh, and uh, you can, if you go to my website harrymoy.com, uh, I uh, published a blog post called "Reflecting on My First Hackathon." I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure you've read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, which has actually been quite well received. Um, there's been there's been a few people that have said it's uh, it's quite good. Which yeah, I've seen uh, some of the uh, the people that run in co club hackathons gave you some feedback and stuff. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure you've read it. Yep, <laughs> read that. No, <laughs> yeah. I definitely haven't, but I will. I will get around to it, mate. Thanks. But um, I guess the other reason you didn't say as well is the fact that your current uh, employer has been telling everyone to come in full time 100% Monday to Friday like the yeah like the good old fashioned times yeah right? and that's just frustrating I mean for me I don't mind it's really not that much of a problem for me being in the office like I don't mm. I don't live too far away but it's just more of the principle of it all and it's also what I don't like is is I don't like the short sightedness of it I think strategically it's a really bad decision to make and so it sort of reflects the ability, the decision making that the leadership makes. Yeah, yeah. And, and it kind of makes me begin to sort of lose faith in the leadership because it's a poor decision. Yeah, because they should have the the foresight, you know, to see any of the the new software developers coming up, graduates and stuff. They will be looking at this sort of stuff now. This is kind of the new the new age of remote I work. I mean, I don't think it's even. I think everyone. I think now it is truly everyone yeah, is true. now is now thinking this way because you've you you've mm-hmm. you've had people that have been working for 10 15 20 years that may have had the chance to work from home but they just didn't because they didn't work from home they didn't think that they could do it uh, whatever but now they've had to do it for like what 18 months pretty much and they've got used to it they've got into routine and realized oh wait, actually I can work from home like I I do understand yeah. like you know the the sort of the way in which I have to work from home uh, and um, and just and realize the benefits as well of doing it and the flexibility that it offers. So now I can imagine that a lot of other people, a lot of people are now saying, well, I'm going to work remotely. I want to work at least, say, two days yeah. from home. 
Yeah, because it's funny, isn't it? I suppose before all this happened, it kind of, there was like always FUD about remote work. Like, oh, you just won't enjoy it. You can't separate the home life from the work life. You're, you're, yeah, the days will sort of blend into one. And I think actually now people realize, hang on. And like, you are right in that. Maybe it isn't actually the graduates. Maybe it is those professionals that have been in for 10 to 15 years because they likely have families and other responsibilities yep. that are more important to them than work. And if you can balance the two at home, perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you on that, man. I can understand why you're looking. Um, and I am hoping my current employer doesn't do the same. But <laughs> Do you think they will? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. It's funny, though, because apparently they've employed too many people for their office. So they've really fully took advantage of the remote work by, you know, employing beyond their physical limits in terms of, uh, you know, people in the office. So there clearly is some sort of uh, remote work um, plan going forward for sure, because they simply can't get everyone in. So, yeah, well, they, they think one of the reasons why we're sort of having to work uh work in the office all time it's just because it's got a, it's a really big building in the in the city center so it's quite expensive so they want to make use of the got to justify building. cost didn't you? Yeah. yeah but that's the wrong decisions isn't it i suppose yep. yeah but yeah regardless uh what have i been up to i have been trying to red pill myself in the nft world so because um, we, we've been a bit against i'd say probably about two months ago I and mean, i don't think we've probably i don't think we've probably discussed nfts really on on this podcast in terms of no. the actual because because i think when you talk about nfts you're thinking um anything that we'd be talking about would be more about the capabilities of nfts going forward into the future less about yeah. the actual current market cycles around it um but we've been a bit uh, i don't know skeptical. so is it, yeah skeptical around the current market cycles of nft and and sort of you know the idea of just jpegs and um, yeah yeah which you know there there is still that kind of market of like well you surely you could just right click save i think they do call them like right click savers where they you know people that don't understand about the ownership of of this yeah. thing even though it's digital um and uh one of my projects that i'm kind of looking at now is a flare networks um one of the uh, applications going on top of it is called flare finance they've just dropped uh, like a thousand nfts of like a delorean it's like a video of a delorean um with like flair finance branding and then you know there was somebody in the replies like why should i buy this and in my head i was like firstly i looked at his profile pic and he, you know he had like a bandana on and i was going to say well why would you buy a bandana because you own it and you think it's cool when you when you have it and stuff but i i didn't think i'd like you know shoot for him i just kind of said well it's you know it's it's subjective it's whatever you value isn't it so you yeah. either you either use it to to flip it for more cash you either um want it to be a part of like flair finances first nft drop or you simply just think it's cool um and then it just so happens later on that another reason to to buy it is you get then access to some of their later nft drops like exclusive access and stuff um but it did it was an interesting question it's a very simple question but it, it, there's a lot of answers to that in like oh well why should i even buy an nft um, and it's kind of hard, yeah, it's kind of hard to like give you a concrete answer as to why you should or shouldn't. Um, but, you know, since, since our hackathon, I just think, well, I may as well, like I've, I've got to put my money where my mouth is. If I'm if I'm going to start dabbling in Web3, like I, I may as well own an NFT. Well, I mean, we're doing another hackathon next month, aren't we? And yeah, yeah. as part of that, we're looking, the, the project idea that we've got is a, we used to do the NFTs. So yeah. 
I mean, obviously, yeah. it's a, what we're planning on doing is a bit of a different use case. But yeah, you, you've bought a because I mean, I've I've technically do own an NFT because I have uh, I have HarryMoy.eth. So yeah. I've got my ENS domain, which apparently you know, which is an NFT. Um, and I and I when I think about it, I didn't buy it for any utility. I bought it as like a status thing of like being able to you know, everyone's sort of putting their .eths on the Twitter profile and stuff, yeah, and yeah. it's just kind of it's it's a signal. It's a signal of saying like I'm a Web three DeFi sort of person. Um, would you say that that's one of the reasons why you've because I know you've you've had a couple of different NFTs as your profile picture on Twitter. Um, yeah. Would you say that that's why? Do you think you've been doing it as like a signal or? For sure, because like I really, really, really enjoy the community. It's like the NFT community is. I consider it kind of separate to the crypto community. It's it's a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more fun. I think maybe it's just my own sort of uh, follower list. But crypto currency wise, it's very trader heavy, market heavy stuff. It's not necessarily uh, dev stuff. But it seems like in the NFT space, more people are willing to to either be a bit more lighthearted or talk more about sort of developing on the blockchain and stuff. It's just been a bit of a nice community to to be a part of. And buying the NFT is, is almost validation, especially like they call them like PFP any NFTs, which are like profile pick. Um, and that, that in itself is now a bit of a meme, like these 10,000 drops where it's like the same profile, but with different attributes and stuff. And it's now like a heavily saturated market. But um, yeah, it's just been really, really fun and to like jump into this sort of world and try and be a part of the movement, I guess. Um, yeah. And that's it. That's really it. Yeah, it uh, it ties in more into the uh, into the metaverse. The uh, the topic yeah. that one one day we will do an episode uh, on it. We're just gonna keep we're just gonna keep sprinkling talks the metaverse <laughs> yeah. across every episode. I'm see I'm seeing little inklings of it. I mean, in our hackathon, there was uh, one of the finalists, wasn't he? He was yep. uh, it was like a v- VR office space where like the furniture is is all NFTs. Um, which I kind of thought like, really, like, is that going to catch on? But then like, if, if the metaverse is like a massive thing where everyone's like in it all the time, then I suppose, yeah, you just own stuff digitally, like you would go to Ikea and buy furniture. But um, yeah, I've, I've also seen online, like people are having their own galleries and stuff, which is all in like sort of metaverse-esque, you know, VR. So they, they put in their NFTs, like hang them up like paintings, essentially in this like VR ga- uh, gallery. So there's those a little interesting things like that. It's just it's just a bit more. I think that's what I like. It's a bit more out of the box, the NFT world, because it's really hard to like get your head around it not just being a JPEG. And it once you're kind of past that, you can really start using your imagination of like how this could be used or why this could be used. And, yeah. yeah, I think just on the point of like the whole ownership thing, it's it's like you can have people do a replica of the Mona Lisa. And like literally yeah. paint Mona Lisa like for like, but it's not the Mona Lisa, and that's the thing. It's it's just a copy of it. Yeah, so that's yeah. why the whole right click save thing doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, as an argument in my view, because there's loads of pieces of art where people have just created forgeries, but the forgeries don't have the same value as the original because they're not the original. It's not yeah, the yeah. the scream, you know that that sort of thing. So um, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think people that you know say that ultimately don't really fully understand the blockchain technology in the background and, and how ownership can be proven through, through all of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's super interesting. Like the, the crypto punks is basically the Bitcoin of the NFT world. Like that is the market mover. And I think the floor, 
So, so the, the NFTs are sort of priced by floor. So like the, the lowest, the, the cheapest NFT of the collection. And I think the floor for the punks moves from like 80 ETH to 125 ETH in that kind of range at the moment. That's kind of where it's at. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you, you are having these like blue chip emergers, so like Board Ape Yacht, uh, Yacht Club, which are those, yeah, the Board Apes with the different attributes. And then um, you've got them Pudgy rocks. Penguins as well. The rocks. Yeah, the Rocks. You've got the uh, the Squiggles. Um, so it's, it's really it's really interesting to the, see. The, the Squiggles are quite cool. I actually do quite like the Squiggles. I think at first I was like, what the fuck is this? But then when we're going to understand that actually it's basically an algorithmically, it's like an algorithm code. So it is actually almost computer generated, that Squiggle. Mm. I thought that's, so when you mint it, it, it basically runs some sort of algorithm and mm. produces the Squiggle. I thought that's actually really cool. Yeah, and that, that's what that's an exa- a great example of like this sort of like out of the box thinking with it, like art art through computers is kind of it's this whole like ecosystem. It's crazy mm. how it's 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 blown up, and yeah, you get these like overly saturated, boring NFTs where they're just a mimic of the board apes and like they're like pixel apes or whatever you know. And there's there's loads of variations, and it's really interesting to see who are the winners. And the, the winners are certainly driven by like big influencers in Twitter, like whoever is shilling them massive accounts, they will certainly then start gaining traction. Mm. And um, it's, it's an interesting point you make as well, like just generally, like you sort of see in just in a lot of um, different types of art, you know, music, uh, film, television, you poems can, you, as you, well. you can kind of, but what, what I mean is, is more in the fact that you can see in those industries where you've got like the people that are, that are properly kind of changing the game sort of, but then you've got the people that are quite derivative of it. Mm. And it sounds like the NFTs have now got that where you've got like the people that are kind of things like the, 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 the proper board apes that are sort of doing the kind of pushing to something a bit different. And they've got all the people that are now just derivatives of yeah, board ape, yeah. like, like this, this pixel ape stuff. So yeah, it's, um, it's, I think it's a proper represent, like the, the, the proper representation of the convergence of like art and technology yeah that's what we're seeing with with nfts it is it is an exciting space i think my my skepticism just came from um the way the nfts are are stored and and stuff where you know it's effectively just a a link and some of them are just links on uh, a cdn yeah and that cdn goes down then you've lost yeah yeah for sure there is that risk but um yeah it's just been really fun man it's been like a, a breath of fresh air i think and that's kind of where my most of my time has been devoted to. Like I've I've followed a ton of new accounts and like really getting involved in that sort of stuff. Um and yeah, not much else really. So that's where we're at. But yeah, let's uh let's that's get into what, that's what we've been doing for <laughs> God knows how many uh, Oh, it's going quick though. Like, yeah, it's crazy. And and you know, sort of the, the crypto markets themselves are at a real fork in the road we, we were either pending blow off top or pending bear market so you know it's just felt really busy but i actually haven't really done a lot i've just been soaking in a lot of information recently um not necessarily putting lots of output just lots of input so yeah so it's time time for time for output yeah that's time for output so yeah food and drink um so i think we're basically just trying to like go through a bunch of topics and try and keep them unique. So food and drink is kind of one we've not really talked about extensively for, I think we, we talked about the um, smart cities and talked about the uh, the agriculture and buildings and stuff like that. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I don't really know where you want to start on this, mate. I think I think the good way to I think a good way to start is is just generally talks about the idea of the food supply mm. and the fact that the food supply is one that a lot of people begin to really think about when they when discussing the topic of overpopulation. So you know, this idea that um, if medicine keeps going the way that it is, if Bill Gates succeeds in you know so let's say getting rid of malaria, if you get um, your wish, basically, yeah, yeah, um, then. Uh, we will be in a position where we've got too many people in the world, and and this food supply won't be able to meet the demands of the amount of, of the number of people. Personally, I think it's bullshit. <laughs> I, I I think it is. A, I think it's a load of shit. The overpopulation. I don't think overpopulation is actually as big of a, uh, a as big of a threat as people make it out to be. Mm. Uh, I think the time at which we will properly reach overpopulation, something else probably would have killed us by then. Um, or we'd have migrated but, half the population already, or something. Yeah, but the, you know, the, but I think there is there is a an argument around it, and I think that's one of the things just to sort of discuss is, you know, what what do we begin to do about meat? What do we do about um, about food? Yeah, just generally about food. Like, do, will we begin to see meat be um, plant based? So, will we see people? Uh, the pot, we've got companies like Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods, and I, I've got a, um, an investment in a company that's um, that's making uh, plant-based uh, filet mignons. Um, <laughs> yeah. I won't, I don't think I'll ever eat one myself because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, I'm a fan of meat. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, you know, insects. I've eaten insects. Insects aren't that bad. Actually, they were quite tasty, but that's probably all the, the sort of the spice, like spice and, and seasoning yeah. that they had. Uh, but yeah, uh, GM crops, you know, so not having organic, truly organic food, having crops that are modified. But when you look at it, you add that, um, oh, I can't remember his name now, that, that it was to do with like rice and uh, it had uh, this guy, but basically changed um the sort of the seed of the rice so that it didn't what it made it so it wasn't um impacted by like a this disease mm. and then that meant that the crops was were able to grow and so i think it was particularly like china they were able to have a increase load of, the yield have, have, yeah have increase yeah. the yield have the rice and it's estimated that he saved sort of like 100 million lives over the course of his lifetime just by doing that thing mm, that's interesting because the amount of food that um, was that he brought in? It's, it's funny because uh, the only other example I could think of that is you know like stoners like engineering uh, marijuana plants so that they like <laughs> right. produce more buds. Yeah, I think it's either the I think it might be the female plant that produces the buds that obviously are used to to smoke, and that, so they engineered it so that like you didn't need the male plant or something like that. But like that kind of like <laughs> manipulation, it's playing God, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are people. You know, you look at the the organic movement. You, know, you, mm. you go to the supermarkets and there's a there is a demand from middle class people for organic food uh, and there's a bit of uh, pretentiousness around it around yeah, having yeah. organic food but actually we need gm crop we need gm crop to be able to have a, a reasonable amount of food a reasonable amount of food available to people uh so yeah i mean i think i think that's where we see the crop or where we see uh, GM crop going and sort of genetically modifying 
uh, certain crop types, perhaps we, we will be in a position where we go, you know what, uh, I don't know, when you grow a, uh, an, an avocado plant, uh, typically you get 12 avocados um, and it might be that, that we were able to modify it. I mean, especially when you look at things like CRISPR, of like being able to genetically modify DNA and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, could it then be that we're able to make it so that one seed gets you 40 avocados? Yeah, it's it's actually, it's a good point. I mean, I watched uh, Clarkson's Farm recently and um, they do talk about yield, crop yield and that. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the funny things was Jeremy realizing that the field that he just like spent so much time planting would only produce 50% yield or something like really low. Um, and I think he lost an entire field to like uh, insect infestation basically. And the guy that was helping him was basically like, yeah, it's all gone. Like, it's all gone. So I wonder if like not necessarily produce more crops, but just, you know, have better yield, but at scale across the world. Yeah. And, uh, and have resilience to things yeah. like insect infestation. I mean, a, a guy that I used to work with, uh, he, he made this, site this website um called i think it was like veg plotter and what <laughs> what you what you had was you would have your um uh you, you would always have like your your allotment if you imagine it's not like farmville is it it was a bit it was a bit like farmville but it was you had like your allotment and what you would do is you would go in you'd specify like, the plants and stuff and you could almost like plot out where you're going to plot your veg and stuff but what it would do is it would say Oh, actually, you can't put that plant, that crop next to that crop. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, because they're not compatible with one another. Uh, and so, but I wonder how many people, I mean, I'm sure that obviously professional farmers and stuff probably do do it. But if people do start having allotments, and that might be something that is necessary where people start growing a lot of their own food, I think particularly with, with COVID, uh, a lot of people began to make use of their gardens in that way. Uh, that sort of information, that sort of knowledge, so that people know to do that. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think, but build that resilience. So that way you don't, in fact, you don't need to know that because everything can just sit and, and grow together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite, yeah. Cause it's, it's not really then about producing more. It's just making the things that you're already producing more efficient. So in terms of square feet, like you're not really changing much, but you're producing like way more food. Yeah. It's like a design my allotment. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah. yeah. You know, I said to him, um, do you remember, uh, oh, I'm trying to think if I've brought this up on the podcast, a so Gargarino. Do you remember the Gargarino? Uh, yeah, I don't think you brought them up. I know about them, but I don't think you brought them up. So I, I built this this thing called the Gargarino, which was like a, it's an Arduino uh, sister that had like a sensor on it. And uh, you could uh, put it in your garden and it would do things like soil moisture and it would do uh, light and temperature and all this sort of stuff and it would then make it available on a rest api uh, so i thought it was really innovative uh, i thought it was ahead of its time really <laughs> and because uh, this is what this is about five years ago and then but yeah whenever, whenever i speak to him i'd always try and uh, see if i could sell the uh, the intellectual property of the <laughs> the guy gino to him and ask him how much but he wasn't he wasn't interested <laughs> Food manipulation, man, it's, it's, it's a strange one. I mean, you didn't mention, uh, are they like engineering meat now? Like rather than like meat substitutes, like they're actually engineering like steaks and stuff. So I heard. Well, that's like, that's what the plant-based stuff is, isn't it? I didn't know if it was plant-based though. Yeah, it's it's, it's plant-based in, in that it's, um, I think they, I don't think they like grow it. But oh, right. they're, they're getting things like it is like a combination of things like soya and stuff like that and okay. bring that in. Because you've got like, 
what's it called? Um, Satan, Satan, S E I T A N. Oh right, okay. Um, what? what? Well, it sounds like Satan. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's like it's kind of like tofu, um, but it's oh, basically, but it's the thing about Satan is apparently it's when you begin to when you season it properly, you can make it. It, it can almost take like the both the flavor and the texture of like chicken and things right. like that. Um, but it's also got the protein content as well. Mm. So it almost serves as the basis for a lot of um, for a lot of uh, plant-based meat mm. and things like that because it's got the protein content, but then it can also be manipulated in a way that kind of because it makes you um, give it like the texture of meat. Mm. It's never going to say, I, I've always wanted to eat Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when I went vegetarian, when I went vegetarian for a couple of weeks, I did consider. Did you? Yeah, I went vegetarian for a couple of weeks. It's fucking horrible. I genuinely, <laughs> I genuinely, I felt diminished. I felt weak. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so now I, I have. I mean, I've. I, to be honest, before then, I used to have meat pretty much every day. Yeah. Uh, and I would say that probably every meal, every meal except for breakfast, I probably have meat. But even then, most, most breakfast that i have if i have it depends on the type of breakfast but obviously that'll have meat but it's the only one where i can say it it, it won't always have meat when i um, when i because i because i do think that you know you need to have um high protein diet and all that sort of stuff so obviously uh, you said that you don't really believe in uh reduce like a food shortage because of overpopulation so do you think we'll always have choice then i think we'll always have a choice yeah um I, I think the, the biggest issue really is um, potentially just it's, it's it's potentially geopolitical. Like the biggest issue that we're going to have is probably just some fucking war or something breaking out and mm. causing a problem for supply chains. Mm. That's the biggest problem I think we're going to have to food. Like that is a greater threat than overpopulation is. Like to, a, yeah, like a purposeful supply chain. Yeah. Like, shortage, yeah. Like, uh, you know, we, we get food from all over the world. And if, um, you know, even if say it's not a, a nemesis that is supplying us this food, it, you're just going to have it, you, the, the delivery of food might get intercepted in, in some sort of potential world war three, mm. which, you know, looks, looks ever more likely. You're, you always bring it down. You always bring the tone down. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. I think we'll just sort of remain in this like everlasting new cold war yeah well, i gave you my uh i think yeah i used the defense it was in a few episodes ago wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. where i uh where i kind of gave my hypothesis for for world war three and how <laughs> world war three will, will start uh, but hopefully yeah, not in my lifetime no no ho- i mean hopefully not uh but but as well i mean but but the other the other thing is is um and one of the reasons why it is really critical for um for uh getting kind of resilient crop or, or making food and, and just things more resilient is global warming. So if you look at um, a, the big one is coffee and the price of coffee, the price of coffee is going to go, it's only going to keep increasing most likely because um, coffee is becoming more and more difficult to grow. Mm. So coffee, uh, if I'm right, at least in certain parts of the world, uh, it has to be, cre- it has to be, it has to grow at a certain altitude yeah, uh, and the problem is, is that every year that altitude is actually increasing slightly because of the because of the way the 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 sort of the 
where is it a biosphere is it biosphere be the right word sort of the um the biome sorry the biome that they're in um and sort of the local um you know so sort of that the local environment the change that's happening there means that that old shoe's going to go up but eventually mm-hmm. that old shoe's going to be too high and then suddenly you've got a problem so the impact of climate change is going to be a big one to the the food supply yeah that's interesting so let's, you, you've got like goldilocks zones then basically which are now on the move <laughs> yeah 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 and and yeah. and as a but as a result of that it's it means like coffee's becoming more expensive yeah as a consequence uh coffee will probably keep going up the price the thing is is coffee's subsidized anyway like coffee subsidized massively so it's already coffee's already quite cheap and we take it for granted how cheap it is because we basically pay the people that grow it for cool mm. so as a result it already is quite cheap the same as like milk you know milk's really cheap but milk is only cheap because it's because we pay the dairy farmers for cool yeah 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 uh and you know there is kind of a cartel of supermarkets that, that do that and um that's why how whenever people go oh you know pay the dairy farmers a fair price and everyone goes let's pay the dairy farmers a fair price like, okay it's all well and good saying that but will you actually do it with your wallet sort of thing you know like yeah when yeah. you then go to when you then go to the supermarket and some, and, yeah exactly yeah. so well this is what you wanted for you wanted to pay the dairy farmers a fair fair, fair price uh, same with coffee uh but coffee won't necessarily be uh, out of a conscious thing i mean i pay a fair bit of money for my coffee i i think my, the coffee that i buy is about six seven pounds well, it equals um, productivity, so... And, yeah. Um, although I've been learning a bit more about that, actually, about... Oh, no. ...coffee and... No, it's, it's that actually you shouldn't have coffee in the first... Um, coffee in the first hour of waking up is uh, useless. Like, it's pointless. Um, you need to you, hydrate first, get that litre of water in. You should actually hydrate first, but it, it just doesn't serve. It doesn't have any effect. Okay. Because when you first wake up, then it's actually your adrenal cortex is kicking in. So you're not producing adenosine. So coffee just um, blocks the effect of adenosine, which is the sleep pressure that you feel. So -hmm. what happens is adenosine produced in the body and goes into certain nerve receptors and all caffeine does is basically cover those nerve receptors. So that way the adenosine um, can't, doesn't reach you. Make you feel tired. Yeah, exactly. Um, But when you first wake up, you're not producing the adenosine anyway. So it's only really when you start producing the adenosine that you should be that you should drink coffee. Yeah. So that's why some people who, when they first wake up, they'll drink coffee. Don't like just ignore caffeine for the first hour to hour and a half of, of waking up because it's, if you're doing it to keep you awake, there's no point. And mm. really, if you feel, I mean, to be honest, I think I was doing it kind of out of a habit, and I like the taste of coffee. Yeah. Never really as a way of like going, oh, it needs to wake me up. Yeah, this the same. Yeah, because as well. If you're doing it because um, you need to feel wake up, you need to feel more awake, then uh, you need to have better sleep. Yeah, go to, be- yeah. go to bed now earlier. Yeah, and I suppose you shouldn't ever doubt the the, the effects of placebo. You know, like yeah, the, the, as you say, routine. Like it, you just feel better after one or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a month next month of uh, decaf <gasps> just just to see the effects. I can't like I'm like you. I love coffee, so I can't not have it. I can't, yeah like subsidize it, it for something else it, i need to have it but, it, yeah. it got quite bad for me where i was having i think i'd be having about four cups within the space of a few hours yeah and like my, my, my eyebrow would literally start twitching <laughs> <laughs> and i was like and i was there like what the fuck is my like why is my eyebrows twitching and I, I literally googled it and it was i think it was on the nhs site and the nhs was saying like if if you're having too much caffeine it can it can cause that <laughs> 
Just like it's because I'm a bit like um, Tweak from uh, from South Park. Yeah, yeah Greg and Tweak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what would be the price you'd be like? The highest price you'd be prepared to pay for coffee? So I paid nine pound. Yeah. For coffee at one point, and that was fucking delicious coffee. <laughs> but, but uh, I think I put up a tweet about this ages ago, which is basically the, the problem with buying delicious coffee is that I just drink it more. And mm. and so I then have to, so I'm buying delicious expensive coffees and I'm spending more money because I'm drinking it so quickly because it's so nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's strange because I, I, I mean, I, I love my coffee as well, but I am pretty like regimented with it. I'll have like two a day, none, bef- none after four. Yeah, I, I, have two. I think for me after about three o'clock, I won't have any. Mm. I think it's important to set a cut off time for coffee. Yeah. You shouldn't you shouldn't be having coffee in late afternoon because of how how long the um, the half life is. I think the half life of I think the half life of caffeine is about six hours. Yeah, so yeah. if you think about that, then generally, sort of by the time that you um, by the time that you go to bed, it's probably at about a third ish of where mm. it could be, isn't it? I mean, if you yeah. Because generally speaking, it's about it would take about eighteen hours for it to get to a quarter of the effect. So, and that will probably, and, and at that point, it's after sixteen hours, it's probably enough to be able to go to sleep. So. Does that mean at, at, at that point your receptors are somewhat loosely covered still? Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's quite key because it, what's really important to know is, is that the it's not stopping the production of the adenosine. So the adenosine is still producing, just not feeling it, yeah, and that's yeah. why sometimes. If you're if you're tired and you're just having coffee to try and get you through it, even you know the the, the, the caffeine almost can't like it's almost trying so hard to protect the receptors and cover the receptors. But if you've just got a fuck ton of adenosine that's just been producing, eventually it's just going to breach. That's and that's why that sometimes down. that's why you get that come down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's the there's a, some of the science behind uh, caffeine. Um, See what? Why is there not a science for some, some sort of like tablet to just like break down those those caffeine barriers when you actually do want to go to bed? I don't know. It's an interesting point. You know, I, I mean, could have could... a coffee at eight pm then if I wanted to, and then just have this pill and be like, "Yep, not yeah, a sleeping it'd probably pill." Probably be. It probably be like it probably would be something like a sleeping pill. Like it would have yeah. to be something that. I mean, I don't know what produces. Um, if you can get take a pill that produces adenosine, but you probably just need to produce a lot more adenosine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you've got like, what's it? Is it is it melanin? Is it melanin or melatonin? It's a thing for sleep. I always so, get that confused. Yeah, but yeah. So so maybe something like that could could probably help as well. But to, but then again, what I mean, I and to be honest, when I think about coffee, like I, don't, I just don't think I'd want to drink it that late. Like even just the taste, like for because mm. it's quite a bitter. I don't know. Before going to bed, I'm more of like a lot of sweets. I don't know, man. They're very. It's very smooth, isn't it? I think like my parents still have like cups of tea before bed. Knitters. I know. Tea's tea's rank. I know. I don't know if that's just that generational thing though, where I'm like, you shouldn't have tea. Like you should stop having tea like after four p.m. Like yeah. You need to, but I mean, I tea's got a lot less caffeine, isn't it? It's about but half. It's, but it's yeah, still. But it's less. still. Uh, I think my mum has decaf tea. Yeah. So she won't feel that that effect but that's I because think, she's similar she drinks it you know really late into the night i think i'd be prepared to pay 50 pounds for 500 grams 
So you could buy this current economical. You, you could buy something like Jamaica Blue Mountain. Uh, well, no, as in like I'm happy paying the price I am now, but if it was to inflate. You'd that. pay 50, 50, pe- wait, hold on. So the typical bank is 200. <laughs> so, okay. So what, what you're really saying, if we just do the maths here, yeah. then the average bag is about 225 grams. So effectively you're saying that you'd pay about, I mean, what? So that means 250 is 25. Yeah. So you, you would say you'd probably pay about 22 pound 50 for a bag for your standard bag of coffee. But Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. That is. I'll probably just... go up to about, I don't know, 12, 13 pound. Yeah. So you wouldn't, so, okay. I I, <laughs> I just thought, I thought people would agree with me. Some people like, would. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I knew somebody that would only drink like Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee, mm. which is like 30 pound a bag. Yeah. I, I really want to, I really want to do, I, I do really want to have like, um, copy Lopwack or, um, or Black Ivory. Like that's the one that's like a hundred pound a bag. Is this, is this the one where uh, the, cat. the bird the bird shits out? Oh, the cat the cat shits, the cat shits, out. shits out. There's cat the, that's the cat shit, and then there's um, is it black ivory, which is where an elephant shits it out? Yeah. It's, it's, did Carl Pilkington have that? And he's like, oh, it didn't taste any different or something like that. Like, yeah, I think made... he was on an idiot abroad. Yeah, 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 I think so. Um, but no, I, I think I would. But the, like, it's really interesting you talking about that sort of inflationary. I've, it would become like a delicacy, wouldn't it? Because it's so hard to get. But yeah, especially when you think about so you, common as well. Especially when you think about the, the cultures. Like, um, I would say that the UK doesn't really have a strong coffee culture because no. tea is our primary drink. But imagine a place like America and uh, France and France and Italy. Yeah, of course, yeah. Italy. Um, yeah, for them, it's it's a lot. It'd be a lot different. Yeah, because it would be something that probably hits the the bottom line. Like my parents don't drink. My dad drinks instant which I think yeah. is fucking rank. Yeah, um, it's pretty the, brutal. The, the idea of having instant is just, ugh, like, um, but yeah, he's, they're only paying like two pounds for like a massive jar. And it's all yeah. frozen anyway. So it's, it's probably, it probably costs saying like, it costs fuck all to produce the instant because it's just like frozen, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but for proper, proper coffee, uh, I do wonder how, the increase in price on that would affect the bottom line of like the nation, like how many people in like the US and stuff would um, would end up finding their household grocery bills going up massively. Well, I mean, you, this was kind of off off this podcast. You talked about the price of beef going up. And, yeah, um, I mean, yeah that that's that's more of just a general inflationary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, for for crypto, I, I uh, watched blockchain backer, and he. Um, he sometimes talks about inflation. I think he's used shipping containers as one example. Crazy shipping containers. Yeah, insane. Mad that is. Like, but that, all time high. And that's something that's going to impact food. Supply yeah. chains, just things like that is going to impact uh, food. I did have... Um, <laughs> so uh, yesterday, uh, last night I did a quiz. Did a quiz last night. Uh, and the uh, it was the blockbuster round where it was like, the answer was money doesn't grow on trees. And I went and I just sort of kind of went, well, we may as well do. And then because of the way they just print the money and the quiz master was there like, they can't just print money. And I was like, well, yes, that's what they do. And he was like, no. And he was like, basically, he was saying, no, it's pegged to gold. And I was like, no, it's not. It money's used to be. Yeah, I was like, money used to be ago. pegged to gold. And he was like, no, it still is. They can't just print gold. Otherwise, you get inflation. I was like, yeah, that's what we're getting right now. That's why inflation's reaching like 5%. So anyway, so he's there telling me that I'm chatting shit. So, I, so I've, I've sent him a bloody strongly worded email this morning 
with with, uh, <laughs> with plenty of links to the fact that the pound the pound hasn't been on the gold standard since 1931 mm. the pound hasn't been on the gold standard and then afterwards it was pegged to the dollar which was pegged to gold yeah but then um you know it was it was, it was, only, like it was only a, it was only a few weeks ago um that um it was only a few weeks ago was the you know the 50th anniversary of nixon uh getting rid of the uh getting rid of the um the gold standard so you know at no point you know it's kind of lost its indirect link to the gold standard yeah, pounded, yeah. so yeah money printer go brr yeah hmm. well i mean i suppose we should probably say that you do know this quiz master on a on a regular level like you're not just yeah. like yeah. hollering strangers yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't want i don't want anyone to get the wrong impression of like who's this guy just that's how it originally that's actually how it originally started was when i first turned up at the quiz i was shouting at him really yeah when he'd get he'd give wrong answers and stuff and i'd be shouting <laughs> hmm. but yeah i mean shipping containers i, I mean i've, I've I, I i did hear that it, it's not something we would feel the effects for until sort of maybe like mid next year in that the cost is still not hit the consumer but he did also use beef as an example of inflation yeah and linked a few articles obviously american ones but um on on the topic of coffee like i think you, you mentioned about tea i guess maybe that's probably what would happen is like people start looking for other avenues of the same taste or the same sort of caffeine hit similar to like you know beyond meat we want we want meat without actually having meat yeah so it's going to be like we want coffee without actually having coffee because it's too pricey so we'll have something that's like tastes the same maybe engineered the the same i think that's pretty interesting like it could go beyond just being like a vegetarian you could just simply be priced out of a of a food that's yeah. been so common in the world that people still want it you know? yeah well i mean there's i mean you don't know what um what sort of tax that they're going to impose on things as well uh, and what i mean by that is just um you know the, the the way now that we're seeing uh governments try to control human behavior through taxation mm. such as uh you know a proposed sugar tax we've already got a sugar tax here but potentially an increase in sugar tax uh, you may see a, a, a meat tax because of all of the supposed um, global warming ramifications around yeah, yeah. red meat. Um, from what I've from what I've seen, and I need to do more research into it. But my understanding is that actually, if you buy proper proper meat, but not not your supermarket shelf meat, but you go to a butcher's, you do that 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 sort of place, then then actually you're you're effectively carbon zero. At that yeah. Point. It's only if you're buying meat off the shelf because you know you buy buy meat from 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 your supermarket and you're, you're buying New Zealand meat. You're buying you know you're buying meat from a place like Australia and New Zealand, which is you know it's traveling all the way across the fucking yeah, world crazy, to get to you. Uh, but yeah, but you know that might end up pricing people out is you've got inflation plus then a potential tax, and yeah. Um, and, and, and you know, you could argue that those people are already priced out of buying from the butchers. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because the, well, I, mean, I guess the thing is that there's a, economically butchers have to price themselves higher anyway. It's a, it's yeah. a really, I can imagine there's a really different balancing act because 
the problem that butchers have got is that they they can't compete the supermarkets on price because the supermarkets no. have got economies of scale. But as well, they have to sell at a price that means that it's still sustainable business for them. Mm-hmm. And but then they can also potentially get away with being a bit higher because they're so that few. Premium. Because because there's so but it's just not just like this premium, but it's because there's so few of them. Oh, scarcity. Yeah, there's a scarcity yeah. of butchers, isn't there? There are people that would go that. I mean, there would be people that would just assume just to purely assume that the food that they get, the meat that they get from a butcher's is better yeah. than the meat that they get from a supermarket. They don't know that for fact. Yeah, yeah. They probably will never do a taste test, but they will just assume when when they're tasting it, their brain is probably doing all these weird associations. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that we'll see. I I think that with the 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 fact that the government's um, this is, I guess, this is going to be getting a bit too political now. But I think the, the governments are failing to act properly on climate change. It's heavily tied and, together, though, isn't it? We're we're kind of highlighting the the interwoven links between. Yeah. But but what I mean is by the governments failing to act, and the the people like Extinction Rebellion, people like this Insulate Britain that have been a cause of disruptions, who have not been able to properly reflect and properly bring people on side with the cause, and if anything has caused people to have antipathy towards them, they are not convincing people that they need to move away from meat. Yeah. And, they, and so what we'll end up seeing is we'll end up seeing taxation, I think, on meat, and that is an admission of failure because the moment you have to tax it to say no, that means that you haven't done enough to be able to say this is why you shouldn't eat it. It's in the yeah. same way that... You know, there's talks about, um, I guess it's just slight digression, but the the in the UK, we've got a thing called the JCVI, the Joint Committee for Vaccine and Immunisation. Uh, they have said that actually imposing vaccine mandates in their eye is an admission of failure. Yeah. Because they see it as they're not being able to convince people using argument, using science, whatever, to... The adverts. Um, yeah, to, 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 <laughs> to get people to, to actually take the vaccine. So, and, and I think the tax is a very similar concept. It's yeah, you're not doing enough to to say to people uh, you shouldn't be eating meat because of the impact that it has, or if you are going to eat meat, go to butchers, go to somewhere where the carbon impact is is less. Um, yeah, and and that's why I think that eventually we will move towards a um, towards tax for for meat. Yeah, I've never actually thought of it like that. The, the tax is kind of like the last resort of, oh, fuck it, we can't convince them, so let's just fucking charge them more. So yeah, they don't. I mean, that's... And and then... <laughs> just realised it's almost like pent up. Um, raising, I know, you're, okay. I could have seen the, the look in your face, mate. You started <laughs> leaning into the mic. The, the, the problem that you've then got is you've then got the wokists on the left. <laughs> I was hoping that as I could see you drinking your, your water there. <laughs> I tried to time that right. You've got the wokists on the left that are actually just a bunch of middle-class people feeling really guilty about the fact that they come from a wealthy background, trying to argue that the um, that there needs to be, oh, there needs to be, needs to be tax on meat because red meat and that's what we need, veganism is the way. Well, all that's going to do is impact the bottom line of the working-class people. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, the price of their pork pies go up, the price of their, the price of their sausages and shit goes up, and... Who's it going to impact the most? The working class. The, the very working class that these people are supposedly fighting for. Anyway, I'll 
<laughs> this, this swooping statement it's, it's that they the all thing. love pork pies or something what the working class <laughs> yeah. you find me you find me a true working class person that doesn't like a pork pie yeah it's gonna be hard to find they are banging though yeah i don't know man it's um it's this thing of people like f- thinking that they know what everyone else wants without actually asking what everyone else wants is um is kind of the the main takeaway i get from that but yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of them. I, I think the sugar tax to me hasn't really impacted me too much. I never really, you know, had m- many sugary drinks and stuff. I kind of think it is it is quite funny, isn't it? Like they'll tax you for having too much sugar, but then you can have Coke Zero, which is just subsidized with e-numbers and God knows how many sweeteners. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, well, that's good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't tax you on that, but we'll tax you on maybe getting a bit fat. It's like where's the education piece on people just having to like do the proper exercise? But what and, they and, what they properly need to do is they need to change the the fucking dietary guidelines that we give people. Mm. The dietary guidelines that we give people are not correct. The way that yeah. they talk about fat, yeah, fat isn't bad. Yeah, trans fats are trans fats are bad, but isn't it? It's um polysaturated fats and monosaturated yeah. fats. They're good for you. You need Nuts, them. Avocados. Yeah. yeah. Cheese, even any dairy is still pretty good. But yet we, we're in a thing where we're sort of castigating these, um, the, the, the fatty foods as being, all being bad. And I blame just, the noughties, actually. You had that like Atkins diet and all these other fucking bullshit mm. fads that have like really gained traction in terms of like they're kind of now like household knowledge of it's just spread like wildfire. That yeah. People that aren't really educated in it, that's what they think is is the way to go about doing it. Um and yeah, it's just been that like overcomplication of, of of dieting. It's it's just a matter of calories in versus calories out. But yep. people uh, people have I've tried to over over analyze it because that's kind of their marketing technique to sell people diets, and then ultimately that's led to this real like disarray of like what is actually the the truth of being healthy. And yeah. I don't think unless you go find and searching for it, you won't you won't actually know. I was I was just thinking here, so just sort of smile come on my face. So I was thinking that we should uh, rename the podcast from Future Talk to Real Talk. Yeah, real talk. <laughs> Looking political talk. But no, you know what? Like you've you've raised a really good point in that yes, we're talking about food and drink, but it is so heavily tied to society. And then when mm. something is so heavily tied to society, you have to talk about the sort of the political implications and like what effects it has on on food and drink yeah because the way we see it is that climate change and and all that sort of stuff is a is a big political point now yeah you know biden made it a big part of his platform um probably because he he um he needed to 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 get to bring to bring on side um the people that were sort of on the further left of the democratic party so sort of the standard supporters um you saw, you see it with, you see it now. You know the Conservative Party talk about climate change, uh, and the stuff about the boilers and stuff that they want to try and do, which it's only going to cause the, the bottom line for people to mm. um, to to increase. Like it's going to become more expensive for people to be able to um, run their homes um, mm. through heating electricity. Um, but it, that they, I don't think now. I mean, I suppose in, in at least in this country, I don't think any party could win that denies climate change yeah and so that has a consequence on the on the food supply um and you know just just down to things like um uh yeah like are areas habitable 
for for food to grow mm-hmm. yeah and i guess like lastly kind of one point it's not really related to food supply it's it's more what the tech industry has kind of done to restaurants and stuff and i don't mean necessarily uh the restaurants themselves more the the vacancies of uh you know places to rent for restaurants to move in by stores moving to online only and it's an interesting point i've seen particularly for our hometown i've moved away now but it seems like that has changed drastically from being a retail outlet to basically a food and drink outlet there's way way more restaurants and bars and pubs now in the city centers than there was 10 10 15 years ago and that's simply because now retail has moved out to online and allowed this kind of like new ecosystem to move in of like retail um, of uh, food and drink places. And I think that's been a real interesting change and probably something that nobody really envisaged when they, they seen that retail was dying on the high street. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, a, I think that's a really good point. Um, that's, that's where I think we, we sort of touched on in the high street uh, where we sort of talked about like kind of retail and the future of the high street. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of where that's going to go and it will sort of be experience led and, and food is, is part of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, one thing I wonder about the other thing that I wonder about food is just sort of um, with the way COVID's gone and uh, the way COVID is kind of changing the way we view work, and whether that means that you'll end up seeing people more vacancies in restaurants and stuff because restaurants won't have the labour because they'll be too busy doing like gig work or um, or like internet native work because like mm. it sounds this this I don't know this you imagine. Like the one of the big sort of like stereotypes is like people that are writers or people that are um or like people that want to get into film and stuff like that, right? They become baristas. Like that's that's sort of like this the stereotype <laughs> of the joke, yeah. You see, you know what I mean? Like, like they become like waiters and stuff like that. Like that's yeah. that's what they end up doing. But now, you know, you imagine how now you could become an, an internet writer and and that is something, or just a blogger and that is something that you can do. Or you could, if you're an actor, you did sort of drama and stuff, then you could go onto YouTube. Like now suddenly internet has has opened up all these opportunities that you may end up seeing a shortage of labor in those places because a lot of the people that would otherwise occupy it can now go to an internet native occupation instead. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Although on on sort of the the same thought, because some some waitering, some bar work is mostly at night, these people could write in the day not necessarily make it feel like work because it's something they like to do and then go to work later on for some extra money. Yeah, I guess depending on what what point do they start to get enough money off the internet. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You need to fund, you know, your broadband and electricity and all that other stuff yeah. to actually <laughs> to, to be online in the first place. But 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 yeah, but I guess it's just the kind of like, it, it can almost be like the springboard where they're doing it for maybe a year and then yeah. they gain the traction and they gain enough traction that they can sustain themselves fully. It's a bit so, of a revolving door anyway, isn't it? The, yeah. the whole waitering staff work. I imagine it's just a lot of like students coming in and coming out. It's it's very rare that people would take a career in in waitering unless you're aiming for somewhere really high high up in London, maybe. Yeah, I, I, bought, I actually wonder like how much money you can make. Like I know some LAAs can make like up to six figures. Yeah, yeah. And they're just recommending wine. Big tips as well, you know? Yeah, I bet. I bet you just got to go to like the really sort of fancy ones. You've, but then again, you've also probably just got to be prepared to like be because I bet you rich people can treat you like absolute shit. 
Yeah. I mean, no, that's see now. This is this is like a really set, like a really separate point. But who do you think would be the worst? The really really rich people, or like the really really kind of like poor people, like proper like chavs and that. Who do you think probably the worst? I think about it. Probably be chavs. It's hard to say. I think I think waitering is all well and good until shit really hits the fan with a customer's experience, and then really then it's kind of how would they react and i think they would both react quite differently i think i think you're going to label them as chavs i think they would be a bit more violent and a bit more insultive and stuff like that a bit more aggressive but i think like rich people are a little bit more like condescending and a bit more they hit you a bit deeper like they'll try and basically make you feel like you're worthless yeah that's i was just thinking that you know so there's there's two different points of attack if if somebody was to try try and insult you because they're unhappy about the service but it's always really funny i mean i've never i've never done this and i hate complaining as is and it's it's kind of like because you wear a name badge people instantly associate you with the business rather than like thinking of you as a an actual just another person like you mm-hmm. wouldn't talk to somebody like that in the street it's because you wear a name badge or you have the branding yeah. of the restaurant it's like it gives you the right to go ape shit on them it's just a bit weird to me like it's so jarring when i see people do it because it's like this this person's just coming to make some money, you know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it really, really grates grates me. But uh, I think I think yeah. To answer your question more concisely, they're both it's equally a bad, just in different ways. Yeah, I think I, I would agree. I can imagine that, that the rich probably would. It, that would be that would hit you a lot a lot harder. Yeah, I quite like that off topic question though. Maybe we should just have like one off topic episode yeah. where we just <laughs> ask each other a random fucking yeah, question. Yeah, sure. It's just the way you like. Oh, I'm gonna. Yeah, but, but you you'd call them you'd call them chavs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't realize that you've become such a member of the fucking. This is such a like, naughty's term. What chav? Yeah. Is it? What's the word what's in term, a long no, time? Now, like what roadman or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it is roadman. I guess. I guess because chav means the V means vermin, doesn't it? Does it? Yeah. Do you know? Do you know what Chav stands for? Council House Adolescent Vermin. The red really. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. I haven't heard it for a long time. Oh, I long still time. use the term Chav. All oh, right. I just I guess, I, I guess I guess I guess I'm just one of those. Uh, I guess I'm just one of those uh, rich, one of those rich people that just. You're the condescending. <laughs> yeah, you're the condescending one. Yeah. 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 How dare you? How dare you? Right, well, stay tuned. Thanks for listening to this episode of Future Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode, DM us on Twitter. I'm at BT Kluska. And I'm at Harry Moy. Everything we've discussed in this episode is linked in the show notes. See you next week.